Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am super pleased to welcome, for the first time on the show, my friend Jason Waters. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Yeah. So, Happy New Year. We'll get that out of the way. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long, uh, long time coming, getting through 2021. I know. Lord. I mean, I don't want to go deep, too deep down the rabbit hole, but I really, I guess we all thought 2021 was going to be like, yeah. we're on the home, you know, home stretch. We'll, we'll see what happens this year. I will say that, just for the record, my most anticipated film of 2020 became my most anticipated film of 2021 and is now my most anticipated film of 2022. Is it Maverick? It's Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> yes. I am Mine as well. I am patiently waiting for that film. And, and I have always gone on record of I'm, I'm, I'm against the sequels, prequels, and remakes. This one gets a pass. It does. It gets a pass and actually... The reason I've been looking forward to it so much, other than the fact that it's Tom Cruise back flying again, is my son's name is Maverick. Oh, see. Named after, and we named him before the movie title came out, so it was just perfect. perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. One of the things that I'm really looking forward to this movie is, like in 86, the, the Jerry Bruckheimer, Don Simpson got full cooperation from the Navy for Top Gun and basically <clears throat> said, just pay for the fuel. And you can use our planes as much as you want. Now, they had a little bit of input on the script, and the script was changed a little bit. But the Navy is fully on board with this movie again, <laughs> which, can you blame them? This was the biggest recruiting tool oh, ever. Yeah. Government-funded movie uh, budget. Yes. I mean, that's got to be amazing. I mean, it's one of those things where if you were a taxpayer in 1986, you owned a piece of this movie. <laughs> you didn't get any royalties or residuals from it, but you you helped pay for it. Yeah. So I wanted to do an end of the year show. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to, because to be honest with you, I did not get to see as many movies this year as I had hoped to have seen. Yeah. I mean, life gets in the way. I've been busy. The schedule, the podcast has been all over the place. But you and I, we chat from time to time. And I know you have had the opportunity to see a lot more films than I have. So I really wanted to sort of pick your brain and and put together a, a list of, of the must-see movies for me. So okay. I'm going to ask you first and foremost, Jason, overall, what did you think about 2021 when it came to the movies? There's there's two big things when it, you know, 2021 is going to the movies versus seeing a movie. Because with HBO Max and their agreement with Warner Brothers, you get to see everything from home. I mean, even Keanu Reeves, when The Matrix uh, Resurrections came out, just said, I don't care if you guys go to the movies or not. So to me, it was as important going to the theaters to support them opening back up as it was seeing as many movies as I did. On the whole for 2021, it was just another Marvel-centered year. I think half of the top 10 grossing films of the year were Marvel movies. I was looking at the the overall box office list. I think you had to go down to like number 16 or 17 to get the first drama. Yeah. I mean, it was just sequel, reboot, Marvel movie over and over and over again. So it with Hulu bringing out um, selections, Netflix bringing out selections, Amazon Prime with, you know, being the Ricardos. There's just there's so many places you have to dig to find quality movies now. And you either you either get a a four and five out of 10 or a 7.7 out of 10. You really don't find any of those movies that are just after six months, everybody agrees it's a classic. Yeah. So you got to really dig in and find those. And, um, that's, I, I spent a good part of the year trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, you, you bring up an interesting point. I want to talk about this just for a moment with the 
the day and date releases, specifically looking at HBO Max. So I know Disney tried to do a little premium video on demand with Black Widow, Jungle Cruise, uh, Cruella. But HBO Max went all in and mm-hmm. said, look, every Warner Brothers title, 17 of them are going to be released the day they go, come to the theaters. I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was such a bold move. And I will be, admit that I took full advantage of that. Oh, yeah, me I, too. I think every single movie – well, I mean, some of them I didn't like – some movies I woke up Friday morning and I was like, I can't wait to watch this. Others, you know, Mortal Kombat, whatever. I, you know, <laughs> I, I got to it. I knew there was yeah. a 30-day window. But something else changed in me. Like, I think I've been to the movies four times this year, four or five times. And uh, because I'm in my 40s, and unless it's something like a Top Gun Maverick, which begs to be seen in IMAX and the biggest screen possible, I've got a decent-sized television. I've got a pretty good surround sound system. So I'm just, I'm kind of conditioned now to, you know, and I'm not a Marvel guy. So, you know, that's the big thing for me. And the fact that they've changed the release window to 45 days now, which means like Spider-Man came out early December. It'll be out on VOD in a week or two from, oh, yeah. from us recording this recording in early January. Yeah. You know, everyone's like, have you seen it? I'm like, nah, I'll see it soon. Yeah. You know, well, and you know, after this, um, I'm going to take my kids to go see Sing 2. Oh, and which I've seen. Which in you've the seen. Theater. Okay. In the theater. Yeah. Um, but. We were uh, we were watching Apple TV last night, and they're like, "Oh, we can rent it right now, nineteen ninety nine. Let's yeah. let's rent it." And so that the the rental from home of brand new movies kind of changed the game too. Yeah. And and that's the thing, like, and we'll get to sing too. We'll put we'll put a we'll put a pin in that. We'll get to that. Um, I worry. All right, let, let me backtrack a little bit. Six years ago, I had a, a, a writer director by the name of Phil Joano on the show. We've become very good friends, Phil. Uh, directed mm-hmm. Three O'clock High, Gridiron Gang, U2's Rattle and Hum. I mean, he's okay. had he's had a pretty amazing career. And back in 2016, when he was on the show the first time, he predicted this model that's happening right now. Now, he said it was five to ten years out. You know, the fact that movie theaters are it's going to be more like going to a Broadway play. Yeah. Okay, you're going to go see the big, giant, spectacular film, the Marvel film, the Star Wars film. You're going to pay more and more and more. And and gone will be the 20-screen multiplexes, the, those things. Now, the pandemic, I think, has just accelerated this. Right. Um, so I'm of the mindset that two years from now, maybe three, movie theaters – but I don't think they're ever going to build another movie theater. I think those you, are done. You'd have a difficult time you know, justifying that expense yeah. unless it's – unless a new revolution like – you know, the next IMAX comes out. Exactly. Or, yeah. you know, James Cameron's trying to perfect this 3D without glasses thing for the new Avatar film. So it's going to require special projectors. And right. That's going to that's going to cost a ton of money. Yeah. But there's so many factors working against the survival of movie theaters. Number one being that the studios, listen, if it was up to the studios, they would rather you stay at home and pay 30 bucks to rent the movie because they're not splitting that revenue with with the movie theater. Right. And I love going to the movies. That's the thing, Jason. I want to emphasize, like, from from 1996 to about 2015, I went to the movies three times a week. I saw more than 150 movies a year in the theater for 15, almost 20 years straight. Yeah. So I'm not sitting there going, well, I, I don't want to see the demise of movie theaters. But I think it's inevitable at this point. Well, I think. Let me, let me clarify that. Let me clarify that statement. 
I think it's inevitable that the type of movies that I want to see in the theater will never make it into the theater again. Right. That's it's what I'm trying to say. The the story-driven, director-focused narratives yeah. are not there there's just if it's not going to make a billion dollars, why are we even, you know, spending yeah. wasting our time on it? So it's become it's become so money-driven now. But, you know, the way things used to be is you would see the movie in the theater and then you would wait what three, four months, and then it would come out on video. And then right around the, the same time that, you know, Netflix kind of killed Blockbuster was the time that as soon as it came out on video, you you had to, you know, go to the video store and rent it. Now it's straight to video and it's you you buy it immediately. So there's, I mean, the the movie industry over the last 20 years i think has changed more than it has over the last 100 years oh yeah no i agree i agree and and we are we're in a big right now we're in just a big kind of wait and see yeah you know and, and but fortunately the story driven character driven director driven movies are still being made right thank god yeah uh, you know, that's the one thing that like I'm still getting an opportunity to see those movies. I would love to see them in the theater. I saw some amazing movies in the theater that were not part of a planned multiverse. You know, right. like, if it used to be that the studio would spend 40, 50 million dollars on a movie, it would come out and it'd be, become this phenomenon. And then they turn it into a franchise, The Matrix. Right. You know, these things have happened. But it was it was nice to go to the theater and see something original and then just be blown away. Right. I yeah. don't want to go to a movie. And then it's like it's. Like episodic television. It's like, well, that was cool. Oh, I have to wait for the next one. So anyway, that's a rant that I could go on. <laughs> Me too. That I've said multiple times <laughs> on the show. But I want to talk about the movies that came out in 2021. So you have broken your list into three categories. Yep. The, uh, the surprises, the disappointments, and then your favorites. Yes. So let's start with, let's kick things off fun. Let's start with the surprises this year. Okay. So what's first on your list? So the the first movie on my list was one of those that I actually ignored for a good four months, and I was in one of those show holes, and they just finally said, "All right, I haven't seen Nick Cage in a movie for a while. I'm going to watch Pig." If you were to explain to someone what the premise of this movie is, a guy's alone living in the woods, you know, damaged individual, emotionally destroyed. He's got a pig who hunts truffles. And then one day someone comes in and steals the pig. And you think, okay, well, this is where we find out that he's a former, you know, karate dojo master who lost his student. And he's going to go on this mission of revenge. And you're expecting along the way, you know, fights and action and Nick Cage just beating down doors. And it's such a, it's so much a softer really heartfelt look at Nick Cage's character and his relationship <laughs> with this pig. And, you know, it, it sets up, it's, um, you know, kind of spoiler alert. It sets up, he finds out who took his pig and you think the guys, you know, they're going to get into a battle and it's, it's what Nick Cage does is sits down and makes him a dinner the dinner that him and his wife love the most, you know, the same exact sides, the same exact wine, um, everything. And the guy just loses it. It brings back so many memories to him. And, you know, again, spoiler alert, you find out that the pig, the pig didn't make it. 
And you just see Nick Cage's character just, I mean, utterly destroyed. And throughout the movie, I, I mean, I would say of you, you probably won't find me as, you know, the biggest Nicolas Cage proponent over the last 15 years, but it harkened back to a time when he was just such a raw emotional actor. I mean, it's, it's leaving Las Vegas with a pig. That's really interesting. And <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I, I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm well okay. aware of it. It has made a lot of people's top 10 list, a lot of people's number one movie of the year. Now I haven't seen it and I'm, I'm okay with the spoilers because I'm, I'm, okay. gonna, I'm gonna see that. I'm gonna okay. see it. But I will say, at least from my standpoint, one of the reasons why I didn't watch it is because the way they marketed the movie is not the way you described it. Correct. It has been marketed as John Wick with a pig. Yep. And, and I said, you know what? I'll get to that. <laughs> I, I, I actually was one day. It was, I've got time to watch one movie. It's, Willie's Wonderland or Pig. And I said, well, they're both going to be dumb action movies. I'd rather watch Willie's Wonderland, which... Five Nights at Freddy's. To with, be fair. With Nick Cage, yeah. I had fun with it. was the best dialogue from Nick Cage. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 and for those that haven't seen it, we're not going to describe that dialogue until you actually watch the you movie. Watch so feel free to comment on that. I think tonight's the night to finally watch Pig. I mean, it's... I'm like you. I ignored it. But I ignored it under the pretenses of they marketed the film completely wrong. Right. So, and, I, and to me, it's also, it's the directorial debut and writing debut of, I hope I get his name right, Michael Sarnowski. And it's one of those that, I mean, just right out of the gates, he, he could have taken this in so many different directions. And it could have been the way it was marketed. I don't think Nick Cage throws a punch um, during the whole movie. And he... And they, and they and halfway through the movie, you're expecting, okay, we're 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 going to get the backstory, we're going to understand, you know, how he got to where he's at, and you just you never do. They leave so much to, you know, his broken persona for you to understand. And in, I, I would I'd put Nick Cage out there as a best actor contender for his role. I'm hearing that. Yeah, I'm hearing that. You know, not. I mean, he hasn't been nominated since Leaving Las Vegas, which he won. Yeah, rightfully so. Uh, but that's great. And and it's something you said, Jason, that I think is really interesting is Nick Cage famously fell into a, some really hard financial trouble. Oh, yeah. And he did probably more paycheck movies than Bruce Willis is doing right now. <laughs> he did quite a few. And and to varying degrees of, you know, well, some were good, some were just awful. But in the past few years, there's really been a resurgency. Like, I don't think he's doing them just for the paycheck anymore. Right. I think, I mean, look at Mandy. I mean, that's another terrific movie. So he's, I, gotten, he's it, gotten back into the art of filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. And whoever's guiding his career, they're doing a great job. Absolutely. So perfect. All right. So pig. All right. So that's great. What's what's number two on your uh, your surprises for 2021? All right. We'll we'll stay with the, the pseudo action drama. Old Henry. Have you seen it? I have not. Old Henry. So this is uh, Tim Blake Nelson as the title character of Henry. And it's, it's a Western. It's set in Oklahoma, early 1900s. And it's a, it's a mystery. It's a drama. It's an action film. Um, you get someone who is injured that, uh, Tim Blake Nelson finds on his ranch and he nurses him back to health. And then you quickly realize this guy isn't who he says he is and he's being chased 
by people who really aren't who they say they are. So the action in there is Stephen Dorff. Love Stephen Dorff. I mean, another one who turned his back on the, the Marvel Universe and has said he wants roles of substance. So Stephen Dorff comes in and just thinks he's got a little little hick farmer that uh, he can roll over. And it's, it soon becomes apparent that Henry is not who he says he is. And the as the action builds, there's still all these questions of character. Who is he taking care of? Who actually is Stephen Dorff? And where did all of this money come from? So the guy arrives with quite a large... Uh, Satchel. Yeah, satchel of, satchel. Okay, of cash. So, yeah, so. Um, so it, and it's another one of those. It's, it's a, I would say there were three twists right at the end in the last 10 minutes. And it keeps you guessing. But I think at a runtime of about 90 minutes, the action just never stops. Old Henry. Old Henry. Old Henry. Uh, now, I'm just, uh, I'm putting you on the spot by asking you these questions. So just, you know, if you don't know the answer, it's no problem. Pig still VOD or is that on a streaming service now? It's on Hulu right Hulu. now. Okay. So I'm actually going to write down, what about Old Henry? Hmm. Old Henry, I rented on um, the a streaming service. Okay. So it's it's available for rent right yes. now. Okay. Perfect. All right. So that's, this is good. This is good. All right. So yeah. what's next on the list? So next on the list was... Kind of an unexpected one, and I'm going to go documentary on this one. Oh, okay. Uh, the Rescue. Okay. Have you seen that I one? I have not. See, this is why I brought this you is, on the this show, This is great. This, this is, is good. Great. This is good. Um, By the way, people are like, long-time listeners <laughs> are like, Dana, you've completely lost your credibility <laughs> when it comes to movies. So, uh, well, there's just so much to keep up there's with so much. Yeah, There is. Absolutely. So, The Rescue. Um, it's a documentary. It's a documentary. So, I never thought that I would see a documentary that had my palms sweating more than Free Solo. Okay, I have seen that, and I to- that that's the most anxiety-inducing movie I think I've ever seen. Well, The Rescue takes takes you past that. Okay, so keep this. I'm just going to say, keep this spoiler-free as, as much well, as you so can. You, yeah. Okay, so well, I, it's difficult on that. So okay. this is this is a movie from the same directors as Free Solo. Okay, so Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai. Is this about the, 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 the caves, the people yes. that were caught in the, the, the dive, the, the, the kids that were caught the in the caves? The 12 kids and yes. their coach. Okay. okay. So um, you, we can talk a little bit. I do know the story and I know the outcome. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's, it's about a period of – it takes place over 17 days. Mm-hmm. So the kids go into this cave. It starts raining. It's one of those things that they always shut the cave down in July because it floods every single year. And, you know, it would be locked up a month from then. But – the weather came early and these kids had gone in to celebrate a birthday and it was about a mile and a half trek into where they wanted to go. And then the rain started. And as the rains came, they started filling up the chamber. So it just became impossible for them to get out. So I mean, out of nowhere, you've got the, the Thai Navy SEALs who are, you know, they're the land, sea and air. They're like the U S Navy SEALs. They're, they're tasked with getting the kids out. Not one of them has ever been a cave diver. So we're talking about underwater and passages that you could barely wriggle through. And you're, you've got a, you know, a breather on your back and the current's flowing about 10 miles an hour. Oh my God. So I'm getting anxiety just listening to you to describe this. God. So, um, so what ends up happening is they've got to bring in just cave divers from around the world. So there's one guy who just, 
one of those crazy things just happened to be there and he's a cave diver and he got a note to the the person in charge and just said these are the people that you need right now so i mean the call went out around the world and people started coming in and trying to find where these kids were because they could have been anywhere with all the splits that are going through the cave and i guess there's not there is spoiler alert um they do find the kids yeah and they are alive and they find them on day 10 Ugh. no food no water in a spot no bigger than a you know a normal bedroom um so they've been drinking and eating and or drinking and you know using the bathroom in this small tiny little space for 10 days and you just get this moment of joy. You're like, ah, oh, they found the kid. This is so great. You know, good, happy ending. And then it's just, you're only 30 minutes in at this point. How do you get them out? That's it. How, yep. how do you get these kids out? If I remember correctly, and this is a mild spoiler for the movie, which I haven't seen, but uh, it was so treacherous that you mentioned the Thai Navy SEALs. Didn't one of them, pat- one of them died trying one, to, one of them died. One, trying to rescue, like just trying to find them. And he, cause they, they weren't experienced in, Correct. in, in cave diving. So, I mean, the wildest thing is this isn't it's it's back and forth interviews with the people who were there, the divers who were there. But it's also um, camera footage from their their masks. So you're watching them, you know, find these kids for the first time and then just trying to figure out how they're going to get them out of there. And I, I won't spoil the the ending of how they're getting the kids out. I won't say it either, but I know, I, I recall now, and it's pretty ingenious. I, and it, I literally was on the edge of my seat just going, I, I can't, no, there's no way you can do that. That just, you can't do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, the thing I enjoyed about it, why it made my list of surprises, is this, this isn't guys who are, you know, millionaires, Elon Musk's, it's a mechanic, an electrician, uh, you know, one one of the guys was an anesthesiologist in Australia, you know, part-time consultants, IT guys who just happened to do cave diving. That's incredible. And they came together and just, I mean, did the absolute impossible. That's incredible. Yeah. That is, mm, pig might get bumped. <laughs> I, might, that, I mean, I, and even though I know how the story ends, I still want to see it. I still yeah. want to see it. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, the rescue and the rescue is available as far as you know. Uh, it's on Disney Plus right now. Oh, is it? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So D Plus. It's a uh, National Geographic okay. um, documentary. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Perfect. All right. So what, what do you got next on your list? Next on the list, um, should we go a little, little darker? Okay. Malignant. Okay. Now, before you get into malignant, I don't do well with body horror, splatter, that type of stuff. And rumors were circulating as far as what was in this movie and i just opted out I, it's it's one of those that i had to watch through my fingers okay and yeah. i i'm not a gore yeah guy. neither I, am i not I, at all i really enjoy the horror genre but when it gets into the just absolute gore yeah. no no thanks you and i see eye to eye on that and there are a lot of movies that i just purposely don't i don't yes watch. yeah and that's just a personal choice but and malignant to me and what's interesting is it's an HBO Max day and date movie, yes, so that yeah. that had my interest peaked. So they they were putting this thing in theaters. Well, and it was um, James Wan, so it's yeah. it's Saw, and it was yeah. right around October. And I was like, all right, it's getting some buzz. Let me check it out. And it, the reason it made my surprises is I was expecting I was expecting a general horror movie, you know, 
somebody jumping out of the closet or there's somebody who's, a, you know, stalking someone, it unnerves you. And it's so brutal and gross at times that um, I, I really had not seen any movies like that recently. And it had a great story to it, too. It's, it's a, it definitely verges on the supernatural science fiction yeah. side of it. But um, just for sheer a, a different type of movie, um, I really enjoyed that. Okay. All right. And I think it, it, it had its 30-day window on HBO Max. I believe it's back on there. At this point, it is back on. There. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of people talk about that film. Or I've listened to a lot of people talk about that movie. And I went on Wikipedia and just kind of read the plot synopsis. And I'm like, nope, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to handle it. It's, it's, I, I couldn't watch it again. Yeah, There's no yeah. way. I'm just like this. And that again, not trying to detract, detract from the movie, but. My, knowing my personal views, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to sit through this movie. No, it was, um, it was, gr- it was gruesome to a point of flagrancy. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it got the point across, but at the same time, you're just, you're queasy afterwards. And the thing is, like, certain, th- certain images in movies, they'll haunt me for years to come. Yes. And, and I, I, tr- I really try not to put those images in my mind. Yeah. Which, in some cases, you know, they always say, well, your imagination is worse. Reading the plot synopsis, I'm going, no, it's probably going to be a lot worse to see that on camera than, yeah. than what I'm seeing. Because I'm like, they're, now they're doing what? So, <laughs> all right. So, Malignant. Okay. Yep. Another one that I I thought was going to be kind of a drab biopic, Respect. Okay. This is Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha Franklin. Yes. Okay. Uh, haven't seen it yet. Okay. Haven't heard a lot either way, either side. So, you know, it, it, to me, it was, um, it was a really great movie narrating who Aretha Franklin was. The reason I, I was so interested in it, and it actually, a long ago documentary, I don't know if you ever watched Muscle Shoals. I have not, no. I mean, just, just an amazing documentary done, I believe in 2015 that outlined uh, Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and how this tiny, tiny little building was a powerhouse for so much music of the 50s, 60s, and I mean, it's still going today. Actually, um, I did a cross-country tour in July of this year and stopped in in Muscle Shoals, Alabama to see the Fame Studios. How awesome. Um, so it, it gets into... Um, Aretha's relationship with her husband, how abusive that was, how she got out of it, you know, how she, how everyone agreed that she was a great singer, but she just couldn't find her voice. And it really wasn't until respect that that's where she found it. And I think Jennifer Hudson did an absolutely amazing job portraying her. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a flattering performance. It wasn't the, you know, Yes, this is a Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, Freddie. I was about to say it wasn't Remy Malik uh, lip syncing correct to, to Freddie Mercury. I'm assuming Jennifer Hudson did her own singing she in this did. movie. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was a flaws and all. It goes through her alcoholism and it goes through her family issues. It goes through um, you know domestic violence issues. It, I mean, it just you know racial issues throughout her career. So it was it was a surprise that I I thought it was one I was going to turn on. Five minutes in, I'd have my phone out, you know, playing right. Candy Crush. 
Yeah. But it kept me it kept me interested the whole way through. Awesome, awesome respect. And that is right now. Where can we find that? Um, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Okay, um, it was a rental awesome. on Amazon Prime, so I'm sure it's out streaming service and Amazon still. All right, awesome, awesome. All right, so let's do a few more on your surprises. Then we want to get into some of the uh, disappointments. So okay, so another one on surprises is Stillwater. So this is a controversial film I have not seen yet, and kind of it just kind of came out. No one talked about it, and it just kind of disappeared. And yesterday, I was talking to a friend of mine who said, I was flying back from Europe, and I watched Stillwater on the plane. I said, how was that? He goes, it was, it was fantastic. And it, so I'm, It really was. Can you, can you speak to why this film is controversial? Um, so it, uh, it, basi- it loosely mirrors the Amanda Knox trial from, you know, she was um, an American student in Italy, accused of murdering her roommate, went to jail, got released— came back to America. Everyone over there still thinks she did it. So this this almost mimics that ex- that entire thing. And the reason I think it got lost is the name. So Stillwater, I'm I'm I think it's Oklahoma. a town in Te- yeah. Or Texas. Or, yeah. Texas. You know yeah. wherever it's at yeah. and thinking oh it's it's Matt Damon and his daughter's in trouble and you know we've got like a taken scenario. Like I keep yeah. waiting for Liam Neeson to come in and you know tie somebody to a chair and electrocute him. Um it gets pretty close to that in this. So it's, to me, it's, it's Matt Damon's absolute devotion to his daughter. Um, and he goes over and, you know, tries to find out what really happened to her. So this is after she's been convicted and she's in jail. Um, and she, I guess in Italy, you get one day out a year. So she's, he gets to spend one day with his daughter and it just reaffirms to him that, I'm going to stay here and figure out what went wrong. Wow. And it goes down a dark path. Um, it's a, it's very much a gritty, dark movie, but Matt Damon just does an amazing job. And I, I would love to see him nominated for this, for his performance in this movie. I mean, you know, the, here's the thing. Your surprises are it's it now it's giving me anxiety because <laughs> there's, there's so many of these that I want to watch. Like every Sunday I try to watch a new movie and you have putting malignant aside because we discussed why I'm not going to. You have made the case for every other movie to watch today. So. Perfect. All right. All right. So let's do let's do one more of your surprises, then we'll get on to some disappointments. Well, I'll I'll leave one of my surprises alone. Um, I'll say, in the vein of malignant, um, Titan. No. Okay. I haven't. You wouldn't make it through that one. Okay. Um, but an amazingly horrific. Strange, wonderful movie. Okay. Titan. Um, Titan. Titan. Okay. Um, how about Lamb? No. Ah! No. All right. Okay. Make the case for Lamb. All right. So, um, this is another, it, it's in my surprise category because it doesn't really make sense. Numi Rapace. Yep. Okay. Yep. She goes out to her barn one day. This is a movie set in Iceland and she has a half human half lamb child or creature out there that uh yeah, yeah it, 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 listeners <laughs> you can't see my face the, the face i made as soon as he said that it was it was almost like a a surprise like a, a what no, so the what? name of the yeah lamb yeah so it's um it follows her and her husband and um her brother-in-law really <laughs> adopting this lamb child you've <laughs> Um, I'm sold by the way. I'm sold. <laughs> Just want to let you know. I'm sold. It's, it's one of those, it's, it's, I, I hate to, 
throw a bunch of spoilers out there for people who want to see it, but it's a, um, it's awkward. It's dark. Um, of course, it's not a, this half human lamb thing, uh, I believe her name was Ada, isn't created for good purposes. Um, and the thing that did create her eventually comes back. Okay. So it's a, it's one that, uh, I, I feel if you, if you're in that show hole and you just say, I, I gotta find something. Check it out. It's on uh, Hulu right now. Hulu. Okay, Lamb. And again, we're, we're just doing audio. If you could have seen the, the reaction <laughs> to my face when he described the plot of the movie, I was like, no, what, what? Uh-huh. What? The what? That's awesome. All right. So, Jason, excellent job on the surprises. You, you, you've sold me pretty much on every one of them. So, I'll, awesome. I'll, we'll have to literally do a follow-up show where I discuss <laughs> my thoughts on all of these. So, so 2021, like every year... Uh, the beginning of the year, I always like to use the analogy of like when you're, when you're a sports team, you know, with your favorite sports team, this is our year. We're finally going to do it. This is our year. I went into 2021 with this is the year we're going to do it. The movies are going to be fantastic, but there inevitably is always the disappointments. So with that being said, let's talk about some of your disappointing films of 2021. Should we just lump the Marvels in there together? Oh, we can do that all day long. <laughs> uh, let's just let's just let's just briefly touch on that. Okay, Marvel movies. There were, uh, well, let's see. There was Black Widow. Yep. There was the Eternals. There was Shang Chi. Um, I guess Spider Man and Venom fall into the MCU now. Spoiler alert for end credit scenes in yep. certain movies. Ironically. Of all of those movies, Shang Chi looked the most interesting to me, but. Eternals is the one that I saw in the theater because I do a show called Hollywood Unfiltered for for Dash Radio and we do movie reviews and that was assigned to me. So I had to go see the Eternals in the theater and I made it approximately 47 minutes and I was out. Yeah. I had to go. Excuse me. Just for, but that, so that being said, I, I did catch up on a, a few Marvel movies. Black Widow. I have not seen the Spider Man movie. So. Oh. Give me give me your overall thoughts on on the Marvel calendar twenty twenty one. So this, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Florida State fan. Yeah. So I'm very used to saying, well, this has been a rebuilding year. Um, well said. So this is a rebuilding year for Marvel. Um, I you know with the Eternals and you've got it, it was a weird year also for awards because they allowed up until February of twenty twenty one for any movies to be considered for last year's because of the pandemic. So you've got Chloe Zhao, who won the Academy Award Best Director for Nomadland, helming The Eternals. And I just kept thinking, finally, Marvel got something right. They're going to bring her in, and it's going to be a character-driven story. And it was anything but. It was, it was, the, it was one of the worst Marvel movies out there. It, it really was. And to speak to the fact that they brought her on board puzzled me mm-hmm. because I did see No Man Land. I, I thought the movie was really well done. Yeah. I had a good, I won't say I had a good time with it, but I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed the movie. But I also know how the sausage is made when it comes to Marvel movies. All right. Uh, for, for, you know, if anyone's interested, you can go on YouTube and you can watch the pre visualization for Endgame, which was done in 2016. This movie was already mapped out. Yeah. So these things are pre vised and done by committee. So I'm always puzzled when they bring 
uh, a director of that esteem on to do a movie because 80% of the movie is already pre-visualized and done. So uh, unless you're really trying to get good performances out of the characters, uh, what is the, I don't understand the point of bringing something like that on board. I, I will say this about the Marvel and I love what you said about a rebuilding year. <laughs> like that's brilliant. It, well, it's what, not to jump in there, but it's, there was more talk about the post-credit scenes yeah. And every single one of the Marvel movies than the actual Marvel movies themselves. That was well said because I watch a lot of YouTube and I love to watch I'm not gonna name any names, but the the, the shills out there that, that shill for, for for Marvel all the time. And to watch their reviews of some of these movies, particularly the Eternals, like, well, you know, it's not gonna be for everybody, but stay for the end credit scene. <laughs> you know, <laughs> pay your thirteen bucks and stay to stay for two and a half hours to the end credit scene. Marvel look. I'm in the minority when I say this. Marvel needs to take a break. They need, at least with the, the stick, stick with your Disney Plus, stick with your, your, your Hawkeyes, your Captain, yeah. and all, your Falcon and the Winter Soldier, all that stuff. That's perfect. That, I think Marvel is suited for episodic, episodic Absolutely. content. They're comic books. But on screen, books. they need to have a, a longer, story driven, character driven narrative. Absolutely. And I, I think that's, I think that's the perfect spot. And I'll tell you this. I think Bob Chapek over at Disney thinks so too. Yeah. Uh, watch his investor day call. He, he's like, we're putting all of our focus on Disney plus on streaming. That being said, even I saw Endgame in the theater. You couldn't of escape course. the hype for that movie. Yeah. Take a break. Take a break. Look, they've done it with Star Wars. Yeah. So I, look, the next time a Star Wars movie's come, come, it's been 2019. So we're almost, we're two and a half year. Uh, we're just over two plus years since the rise of Skywalker. The next time they do a Star Wars movie, if they started pre-production now, it would be late 2023, 2024. That's how you build momentum again. Exactly. Yeah. If when when you're pumping something out, you know, every other month, you can't expect all of them to be gold. And by the time you get you've gotten that far down the hole, I mean, we're in what the nearing the thirtieth MCU movie right now. Yeah. Got to be. Yeah, you're right. Just put a put a pin in it. You you need some time anyways because Black Panther, you know, Chad's gone and you've got to, you know, decide what to do there. So, I mean, just, yeah, put a pin in it and pull it back out. Take it off the shelf two years from now. It, it will build the anticipation up. Like, listen, Lucas, Star Wars, Empire, Jedi, those were three years apart from yeah. each other, yeah. you know. And then he did the same thing with the prequels. And that worked because I saw The Phantom Menace in the theater in 99 as a 21 year old yeah, and left very puzzled. But by the time, but three years was just enough time for me to go, all right, attack of the clones. I can't wait to see this. Exactly. Left very disappointed. And then three years for, you know, uh, the, the Re revenge of the revenge Sith. I was like, Sith. Oh, 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 I can't wait to see this build that anticipation. Yeah. Like, listen, James Cameron's got it right. Yeah. I'm going to go see the new avatar movie. Cause it's been 13 years. Well, I'm going to see it just for, the just just for the the experience i'm i'm in the minority of i did not like avatar i saw avatar imax 3d i tried to rewatch it you know 6 8 months later when it came out on dvd or streaming or whatever service i watched it on i was bored to tears oh yeah like well, that it's a that's a movie you have to see in the optimal settings yeah i mean channeling my inner david spade i liked the movie that when i saw it the first time Oh, and it was called Dances with Bulls. Yeah. <laughs>
That's exciting. Well said. <laughs> well said. So let's get it. We, we touched a little bit on the Marvel movies. I'm just going to ask you rapid fire. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Okay? okay. Black Widow. Thumbs down. Okay. Shang-Chi. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay. The Eternals. Thumbs we already down. know. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. What was the other one? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That's a, I actually enjoyed Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, it, it lives up to the hype. Um, and what I, the reason I like Spider-Man and the, the reason I think people should go see it is it, to me, Tom Holland's Peter Parker has always been really campy. Just, yeah. you know, fun guy, never really seems down. This movie destroys him. So to see where he's going to go next with it, I think is going to be, is going to be great. You just sold me. Okay. You sold me on seeing the movie. Okay, good. Right then and there. Because I do like the Tom Holland. I might be blasphemous to say this, but I've, I've, he's kind of been like the Spider-Man of like, ah, oh, he's, he's perfect. He's, yeah, perfect. I mean, he's, he's perfect like, in that role. He's like a little kid. Yeah. And you just, you know, the Spider-Mans of old were, you know, they were dark. I mean, even uh, the Spider-Man Into the Multiverse, the cartoon, all those kids had problems. I mean, there was there were issues. It was kind of like the damaged psyche of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. It just, there's... There's the past to him that wasn't there yet, and it's it's there now. Okay, all right. I'm I'm I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm I might go see that in the theater. You I know? did, and I kind of said to myself, I'm going to wait the 45 days and just watch it when it gets released. But no, see it in the theater. Yeah, it's, it's worth it. And I'm, it's it's already been spoiled to death, of course, as far as who's in the movie. Yeah. So you know. I'll, I'll probably go see that in the theater, but let's get in. Oh, okay. A, a Venom. Let there be carnage. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Okay. All right. So let's talk about some of your disappointments. Um, let's. I'll, I'll bring up some that uh, I'm probably in the minority on. Mm-hmm. Cry Macho. Clint Eastwood. I made it through about 15 minutes of the movie. Okay. And I had to stop because I genuinely felt bad for Clint Eastwood. It was. It was. It was getting to the point where. He's like, what, 91, 92 years old? Gotta be. Yeah. So the character, at least my interpretation with the first you know, 15 minutes or whatever I saw of this movie, was that he was playing a character who's not in his 90s. Correct. He's playing a character who's in his 60s. But it wasn't translating. And I just, I felt bad. I was like, I don't know, maybe I... Tell me if I'm wrong, but that's no. That's why that's it's, it's, it's actually—it's not on my worst movies. It's right. on my most disappointing. Dis- disappointing, yeah. just because it, the legend that Clint Eastwood is. I was expecting this to be. I mean, I'm hoping he outlasts Betty. You know, Betty White at 99. Yeah. I'd love to see Clint Eastwood put on another movie years from now. It did not. It did not gain my interest. Um, did not like the direction. The story was slow and it was just so two dimensional. And I, I, again, I couldn't, I couldn't make it through. I got, I, I got about halfway through and just said, all right, I'm going to put the pause in this, add it to my list and I'll finish it up yeah. later. And, and I did. did. And, and, and he did eventually, but, but just, oh, such a, it was a disappointment. I wasn't against the idea of the movie. I was against him trying to play that character you know, the rough and tough, you know, but you're not anymore. No. And it's okay that you're not. Right. You know, you can do a movie about somebody who's 90 years old, who's maybe trying to still live this life and then re- coming to the realization that you can't. Yeah. But in this movie, you're just still playing tough guy Clint Eastwood. And it's, unfortunately for me, it, it didn't translate. I was just kind of like, oh, I just feel so bad I know. For him. I was expecting like an on Golden Pond and yeah. 
you you get you get this and it's just it it fell flat for me. Okay. All right. So what's another one on your list? Another one on my list that I've heard there's been some yays and nays and I think it's I think it kind of uh separates a lot of people. Halloween kills. Oh, okay. Well, that has been talked about a lot on this sh- on this okay. show. So, um okay. I'll I'll let you up. So I he, have seen this multiple times. Okay. So I'll say this. My my wife and I, every single Halloween, we watch the original John Carpenter's Halloween, and if we can make it Halloween too. Um, the whole season of The Witch and the Rob Zombie versions later later on, not a fan of those. Really enjoyed the the reboot Halloween. I thought it was a great way to it's it's basically Halloween three. Yeah. It it just throws the rest of them out the window. Halloween Kills had the opportunity to just, I mean, to take that story and that narrative and go in so many different directions, but instead it went all the way back to the original movies and pulled in characters that didn't need to be there. And it just, by the end, it was as campy as a Friday the 13th movie. See, that's interesting. So I have a different perspective on, on the movie. And like you, okay, so I, I will, I've always been, of the big horror movie franchises, I've always been an Elm Street guy. That's always been, saw the first Elm Street when I was way too young, traumatized oh, yeah. me. Yeah. And I shouldn't say I've always been an Elm Street guy. I really just like the first three. Well, I love the first three movies. And yes, I like Elm Street too. I think it's, I think it's a really smart horror movie. And I love Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Oh, yes. I, I love that. Yeah. So there's four of, four of those movies I, I really, really love. That being said, I'm like you. I'll watch Halloween, the original Halloween, in the days leading up or if I've got time the day of. I've never been a Halloween franchise guy. Yeah. Although I've seen them all. I do like Rick Rosenthal's Halloween 2, although he does go for the gore factor, which is very much missing in the original Halloween film. I think smartly. Yeah, yes. smartly. Which is which is interesting when you think about the lack of gore in 78's John Carpenter's Halloween, and then a few years later, The Thing. It's like, oh, if maybe <laughs> if Carpenter had the budget for this, right. we would have it would have been a much more brutal movie. Halloween three has grown on me quite a bit. Uh, I respect that movie. It doesn't need to be called Halloween three; it just no. needs to be called Season of the Witch Season or the what, Witch. whatever you want. Yeah. It's an interesting movie. It's an interesting experiment. It that I think has aged better now Now that time is gone. I'll put that on my list to rewatch. The Thorn movies, Halloween 4, 5, and 6. People seem to love Halloween 4. I I, I don't like that movie at all. Halloween I, I, Halloween 5 and Halloween 6. Oh, Paul, yeah. Paul Rudd. Well, what are you, what are you Paul doing? Rudd, yeah. I mean, the only, the only thing I liked about that is they actually tried to explain some things in there. You know, the whole backstory of why he did what he right, did. Right, right. But but to me, to me, and I'm, I'm just going to put a little note here on Halloween Kills because there's <laughs> a statement that, that Laurie makes at the end of the movie, which I think uh, degrades the movie, you know, sort of brings the movie down a little bit. Because for me, the, the unknown has always been a, a more scarier version. We don't know why he is this way. So that's that's probably why I don't but the whole thing with the I can see that that that's just my 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 take on it. Halloween H two O only exists because of the success <laughs> of Scream. Yeah. So this is this is a literally all right. Well, Scream did amazing. What else do we have? So uh, Halloween Resurrection I did see in the theater. 
Really? I, I did see that was that period where I was watching anything and, uh, <laughs> you know, Buster Rhymes saying trick or treat motherfucker is still the best part <laughs> of that entire movie. Uh. Although that movie could, one argument could be made that that movie was ahead of its time with the whole webcam and, you know, a lot. That's I mean, true. You know, there, there was there. Then we get to the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Oof. The first Halloween, the first Rob Zombie Halloween movie, I'm going to be delicate in how I talk about Rob Zombie movies. There is one Rob Zombie movie that I think is really, really good, and that's The Devil's Rejects. I think that is a a phenomenal movie, and it gets to me. It gets under my skin. Yeah. There's a level of cruelty to, uh, to Rob Zombie movies in it, in just the dialogue alone, let alone the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the violence and the gore. And I remember just being super uncomfortable with the first Rob Zombie Halloween movie, seeing it in the theater. I remember I went with a buddy of mine. He got up and left like 45. Oh, wow. we, t- we met there. We took separate vehicles. He's like, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> he tries to explain the whole backstory. I've already told you how I feel about, about backstories. Yeah. And, and it was just brutal. And then Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween 2 is yeah. – I, I watched the director's cut before I watched the theatrical cut. Oh, and wow. I was just like, what in the fuck is going on here? I'm like, what are we doing? Like, It's just – it's so – Cruel. And I can't, I, yeah, I was going to say dark, but dark's not even – it's it's gruesome. It's gruesome. It's It's cruel. It is – there's not an ounce of levity – no, in, in either of those movies. And so that just really turned me off of, of Halloween movies. And that was 09 when Halloween 2 came out, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. So we flash forward to 2018. We've got the, the, the reboot, the, the sequel, if you will, the 40 years in the making. Right. And do you remember, and, and we're, we're recording, uh, Jason and I live in the same town. And that the movie theater that's directly across the street, they did a, uh, a, a, fee- a screening of the original Halloween and then the 2018. And hundreds of people showed up. I, I went and saw it at uh, Regal. They did that, too. Like hundreds of people showed yeah. up downtown. It was it was awesome. And I, I was just like, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and then eventually watched the movie and loved it. The, the, the 2018 okay. one. Loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. I said, this, this is terrific. David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, they, there's levity to it. There's, it's, it's what a, you know, a mid budget movie looks like. It, it looks beautiful. The it, cinematography it, is fantastic. It, it had the same feel, the same tenseness. Yep. Uh, without that gore factor. So we get to Halloween Kills. I'm excited for the movie. I watch it on Peacock. Again, we talk about day and date movies. Yeah. It was available on Peacock. Had no idea what to expect. Couldn't care less that they were bringing back the legacy characters, if you will. A lot of movies do that. A lot of Yeah. I watched the movie, and when it was over, I immediately watched it again. And I loved it. <laughs> and I'll tell you why I loved it. All right. First of all, we're not talking about The Godfather. We're not talking about The Deer Hunter. We're not talking about Gone with the Wind, whatever. I mean, it's a horror movie. Yeah. And if you're going in just for a pure slasher film, I think it delivers. But what I liked about the film, what I liked about it was finally you have a movie where everybody knows what's going on. There's been so many movies where the teenagers have to band together because the parents don't believe us. The authorities don't believe us. Right. It's up to us to save the day. No one else is going to be able to do it. And all of a sudden, it's like the whole town knows what's going on. 
And I love the idea of like, oh, there's someone out there. Even the police are allowing these mobs to go do their thing. Yeah. And I, I thought that was refreshing. And so for that reason alone, I, I really, really enjoyed the movie. A- except for the spoiler alert when Laurie talks about every time he kills, he gets stronger. I'm like, stop. <laughs> don't go there. Yeah. I mean, just the if it hadn't been for some of those over the top, you know, evil dies tonight. Well, I was going to say, was that in the movie? That was, oh, I wasn't sure. Was that, that was the chant. Uh, was that said in the movie? Yes. About 35, 40 uh, times? Uh, 400 or so. <laughs> Um, I mean, they're just chanting it. Evil dies tonight, and they find him. And you know what? What I always appreciated about you know the the first two was that it, he wasn't supernatural. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, at the end of two, and I, I don't need to need to say spoiler alert this far down, he gets shot several times and falls out a window and still survives. So you're thinking, wow, this is just a bad motherfucker. This one, they shoot him multiple times and stab him and hit him with a toaster. And then he just gets right back up and goes about his business. It's like, oh, come on. Let's, let's give it some kind of human element to it. It just became supernatural. I, I kind of love the Judy Greer gotcha moment again. Uh, I kind of loved it though. Like she got all of a sudden the headlights come on. She's like, gotcha. I was like, you know what? For, for, for whatever it's worth. I guess I, I just, I fell into the allure of, of, of the movie and I, and I loved it. And I, I have become a pretty staunch defender of the movie. Now, having said all of that, uh, David Gordon Green, I've, I've watched some interviews with him where, you know, this movie, these two movies, Halloween, Halloween Kills take place over the course of one night Correct. in 2018. He has said that the new movie Halloween ends, Halloween which is, ends. I think production starts next week on the movie. Will be a four-year time jump. The movie will take place in 2022. And damn it, I don't like this, but the pandemic will play a factor in the movie. Uh. How he chooses to handle that, I don't know, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. So the one thing I'm looking forward to, and if you do rewatch it again, I just I kept getting these subtle hints. So Lori's granddaughter in there. If you watch the movie, there's several times she pauses. She she'll look at a knife. And just stare. If it turns out, and I'm, you know, future spoiler alert, that she takes up Michael's mantle. You mean Palpatine's granddaughter? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I just kept, I kept seeing in her flashes of what could be. Well, the tone has been set with that if you watch Halloween 4. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so that's interesting. All right. Well, I, I'm, listeners, I'm sorry we went on a 20 minute rant about <laughs> Halloween kills. Uh, we'll do a couple more of your disappointing okay. films. Uh, I'll do another one that, um, I, I think a lot of people are not going to agree with me on. And I actually put this, this wasn't on my disappointing. This was on my worst list. Oh, okay. All right. Um, the Green Knight. So I'll, I'll preface it with this. Um, if there was one movie this year that you should get high, and go and watch it's the green knight it has some of the best cinematography i have ever seen i remember i saw it in the theaters on opening night i was that excited for it to come out and i did, i remember thinking you know this is beautiful but again it's an arthurian legend so there's not a whole lot of dialogue you can pull from a story it's just really it's a long, rambling mission that I just I could not get interested in. 
there was a lot of buzz about that movie. I remember our local Marion theater here was like, we're going to be showing the green Knight." That was, that was like a big thing. And, uh, that was one of those movies that just put, I put on my, I'll get to it list. Yeah. And it's become, I don't even think it's become divisive. I think the general consensus is that it's a beautiful movie. It's just not very good. It just has no story. And I haven't seen it. And you've, you, you know, not, not that I was like, I wasn't uh, leaning one way or the other, but it's, if there's nothing else to watch, which frankly, that's never <laughs> going to be the case for the rest of our lives, I, I might watch it. All right. So the Green Knight. Yep. All right. Give me a couple more of the uh, disappointments. A couple more disappointments. Um, one that I was hoping was also going to be a rebuilding year, uh, old. M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. I I haven't watched it yet. And it's it's just because, for me... You don't want to be disappointed. I don't. <laughs> and I, I mean, how many times have I been disappointed? Yeah. I remember seeing the happening in the theater. And yeah, I, was I did, like, too. I was like... What is what is this? I was like, I'm I'm okay if Marky Mark just bites it. Like, I thought Split was fun. I had a good time with that movie. I have not seen. Um, is it Glass? Glass. I have not. They seen should Glass. have left it at Split. Split. Split James Split. McAvoy did an amazing job. Um, it just it, it's, Glass was Glass should have never been made. I remember seeing the sixth sense in 99 in the theater and the twist got me i was like oh well, that's interesting but for me i think unbreakable or signs those are my two favorite m night Shyamalan movies and he's never really recaptured the magic the last like i saw the village yeah. 2004 in the theater called the twist halfway through yeah um saw the happening i've never seen lady in the water really i've never seen that movie i'll tell you it's got um it it's a far fetched premise, and you know the it's it's got one scene in there that every time I watch it, I cry. Really, I cannot I cannot not cry when I watch this one one scene, and it's um it's it's just an emotional wreck happening, and you learn you learn so much, and you learn the twist at the same time, and it got to me. It still does. I might check that one out. You should. I, I haven't seen that one. And, you know, for as much as I bitch about everything being sequel, prequel, remake, reboot, and all that stuff, the fact that I ignored an original story. True. I, 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 I'm, that's a little bit of hypocrisy on my part. The premise of old, obviously, I've, I haven't seen it. Just picked up from what I saw in the trailers where you, you, Mysterious Beach, where you <clears throat> age. Interesting premise. It's original story. It is. It's that's the thing with him is he's always got a great a great premise. I really wish that he didn't try. He, I just kind of want to shake him and say, I don't need a twist every time. Yeah, you're a great director. You're a great storyteller. Don't worry about it. Like you're never going to top the Sixth Sense. No. It. People are looking at you know everyone's on the lookout for it right now. So just take a you know the Marvel advice. Take a step back. Regroup, think about it, and give us something that speaks to the audience. That's a character-driven story, which is what he does so well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, all right, well, let's do one more disappointment, and then we'll get on to one more disappointment. I don't even know if I could put this on there as a, a worst um, red notice. Oh yes, yeah, uh, okay. We'll just we'll just fly it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you the the quick rundown of my yeah. other ones. Um, oh. Space Jam. 
Okay, so okay, so is this a combination of your worst and disappointment at this point? This or? is just this is just worst. Okay, so I'm just gonna I'll briefly comment. Red notice, haven't seen it, never plan on it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. that's one of those that even if you have time and you've got you got two hours, do the dishes and vacuum the house and don't bother with it. Space Jam, enough said there. Yeah, no, haven't seen it, not interested. Nope. Um, one that I was hoping was gonna be good that just fell flat was wonder woman 1984 i will agree with you on that one i again this was a day and date hbo max yep. and i started watching it and i was about 30 minutes into it. i'm like this is i don't know what this is <laughs> like wait chris pine is back yeah, i'm like, like and, and how they brought him back there's some questionable choices that were made there disappointments that i was hoping was good that has good parts to it is the House of Gucci. There are Jared Leto and Lady Gaga. It was a little over the top for me. Okay. Um, love the story. Um, love the direction, but it just at the end of the day, it 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 was too much. It was trying to. It was a CGI movie without any CGI. Oh wow! I mean, it was just over the top, right at you, just constantly and. It should have been more of a, a more of a dialogue driven, more of a deep dive into the characters. Okay. Than it was. All right. House of Gucci. All right. House of Gucci. I'll preface this one with loved the series, did not care for the movie, and that's the Many Saints of Newark. Okay. So Many Saints of Newark. I think I talked about this uh, a couple months back on the podcast. When I watched the movie. And, and and just a just a real quick brief history of the Sopranos. I was one of those people that watched it when it was on. Yeah, I, I, Sunday night tradition. You'd yeah. watch the Sopranos, and then a few years ago went back and revisited the whole the whole series. And it it really is one of the best television shows ever made. Yeah, and it and you can rewatch that over and over again. Like it's it's really good. So with the Mini Saints of Newark, I was anticipating film. This one was I was really much, very much anticipating this movie. And with David Chase being back on board, I was like, okay, it's this. Yeah. When I watched it, when it was over, I felt unfulfilled. I said, this, this is just a, a tiny slice of what I think would have been a great, you know, prequel series. Like, oh yeah. Like I. And then a couple weeks later, they announced that they're going to do a prequel series. Oh, I didn't even know that. And so watching okay. it under the pretense of this is the beginning of what I think potentially could be a, a really interesting show. Yeah. I'm giving it a pass. Okay. But well, it was... I put it on my disappointing, not worse. Yeah. Just because of... Similar to the same thing. I'm like, it, it's... There's an element of, of fear, of drama, of history that's missing from this. Yeah. The Sopranos is not meant to be a movie. No. It is meant to be long form episodic yeah. content because it's, I mean, we're learning this. We're, <laughs> so I've only watched it the one time. I'm going to give it a, I, I will, I won't even say I was disappointed. I, I did not hate the movie, yeah. but I remember sort of checking my watch and real knowing it's a two hour movie and it only having 15 minutes left in the movie going, they're not going to be able to wrap all That's this what up. I, yeah. yeah. You're not going to be able to wrap all this up in 15 minutes. And they try to wrap it all up in 15 minutes. And the only other thing is, you know, Tony, uh, James Gandolfini's son is really billed as the star of this movie, and he's barely in the movie. Exactly. And he did a great job, yeah. and he was barely in the movie. So I, I can understand why that made your disappointment list. All right. Let's just quickly go through a few more, few more of your worst, and then we'll get into your favorites. I think we've hit them all. Okay. All right. Yeah. I have to ask. 
the Fast and Furious movie. Does that did that not make your your disappointment or worse? Or is that have you snuck that onto your favorites list? N- no. <laughs> so you know I, there are a lot that I could have put on the worst list that you know they they jumped the shark this year. Yeah. Anytime you're like, all right, well, we've already done this, we've already done this, we've already done this. We haven't been to space yet. Yeah, uh, yeah let's do that. Um, in a Pontiac Fiero. Uh, I saw that in the theaters, actually. Yeah. Um, well, it was good to go back to the theaters. It this, was. This movie theaters were just reopening. This, this was like July, I think. Yeah. Um, like, here in Florida, movie theaters never actually closed. But, you know, obviously there wasn't any big studio pictures. No, so. and, and it was great because I've, I've owned that, uh, the Regal plan where yeah. I pay 20 bucks a month. I can see as many movies as I want. And for the all of last year, you'd go on the app and you'd pick your seat and then they would just block off all these seats around you. I love that. So I love that. Uh, so I'd pick a movie and I'd have the, you know, middle seat and you didn't have to worry about people anywhere. So I, yeah, I saw it in the theaters and, it's it's entertaining, but it's they jumped the shark this yeah. year, um, and I don't know how they're going to. I don't know. I, I don't know what F ten looks like. Well, it'll be it's going to be two movies. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's going to be like the Deathly Howls. It's uh. going to be it's going to be two movies. And then let me tell you what's going to happen, Jason. What's going to happen is they'll take a pause for a couple of years, and then they will. It'll be fast. The next generation. Yeah. Where it will be Dom and Letty's kids. Uh, you know, and this thing is going to be going on a- until it runs out of steam. It'll be James Bond. It'll be James Bond. Yeah. So, all right. Let's get into your favorite movies of the year. Favorite movies of now, the year. Now, have you ranked them or is this in no particular order? No particular good. order because right, um, it's it's tough to, you yeah. know, you can't pick your favorite kids. Fair enough. Um, so, some of the ones we've actually kind of already talked about were yeah. the biggest surprises. Uh, the Rescue. Yep. Okay. I would love to see them repeat their uh, their Oscar win and and get that. Old Henry again, I think is a great entry into a Western genre. The one that I most recently watched that I just loved was Belfast. Okay, so tell me about Belfast because that is uh, you know I'm looking at the Golden Globe nominations uh, and that that's that's on there a few times. So I've been hearing a lot about the film, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's just so it it focuses on um, 1969 in uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland, and it's the conflict between the Protestants and the Catholics. So there's you know this upstart Protestant revolution against the Catholics. They're coming in and burning down shops and trying to get people out of their neighborhoods, and it follows one. The story is you know. I guess it's loosely based on Kenneth Branagh's life. So it follows one kid, Jude Hill, named Buddy, and him navigating his parents' relationship, him navigating being in love with the the girl who sits in front of him in class, who's Catholic. Uh, he's Protestant. His father's gambling. The fact that his father has to leave for weeks at a time to go work because um, he's a shipbuilder. It goes through the relationship with Buddy's grandparents, which Judy Dench and Kieran Kieran Hines. I always forget how to pronounce his name. Those two were my favorites in the movie. Um, he puts on. I, I, I will be shocked if he does not win the best supporting actor. Okay, for his role in this, but it's 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 gritty. Um, it, it's got really great moments of 
uh, of laughter. It's got really sad moments. What it does is it it sets you uneasy the entire movie. It you're always afraid that something's going to happen. I'm like, you know, I'm watching it. I'm like, he's going to get killed, or it's you know, his dad is being threatened that if he either he either has to pay to help the Protestants or he has to, you know, he's going to get killed. Wow. Um, it's you're you're with us or you're against us, and the direction is fantastic. The music is, I think, ninety percent Van Morrison, and he's one of my favorites. And I just I fell in love with with the character of Buddy, and it'd be difficult to deny him a nomination this okay. year. All right. Well, I may you may have bumped up the next movie I'm going to watch tonight. Uh, Belfast is right now still on video on demand, as far as you know, or is it streaming? Um, it's it is a rental out okay. there right now. It's okay. still in the theaters, actually. Still in the theater. Oh, yeah. So you got time to watch that one in the theater. I might go see that in the theater. It's it would be worth sorry, it. Spider-Man. Yeah. I might go see a compelling movie instead. <laughs> it's black and white. Okay, um, which again lends it really it it makes it darker and grittier than it it could have been if it was just you know. And if you think about it. You said it takes place in 1969. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. No, no. That's just a little over 50 years ago. That's yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. Jeez. All um, right. So let's talk about a couple more of your your favorite movies. So I'll I'll tell you. I I, guess I, di- I said I didn't have a favorite of the year, but I yeah. actually do. Okay. And that's Coda. So Coda has just recently come on my radar. Okay. And uh, I'll let you explain the plot of the movie, but it looks compelling i'll use that term i'll use that ter- that term and it has uh i always pronounce her name Mar- marley matlin yes and who is already an academy award winner and for those who don't know she's she's deaf yes and so just talk a little bit about the plot of the movie well, actually because it was one of my favorites of the year i did a little bit of background on that so mm-hmm. coda is it stands for children of deaf adults okay and the movie follows a family a father a mother played by marley matlin and a, another deaf son and ruby who is who is a who speaks she can hear being the child of two deaf parents and a deaf brother she is their translator um she is their window to the world um without her they have no idea what they're doing wow so they're all they're fishermen so she they wake up in the morning at 3 a.m and go out fishing and she comes in helps her father sell the fish and then goes off to high school. And the one thing that she wants to do is, and this is where the, a lot of the conflict comes from. She wants to sing and her parents are like, why are you, are you even even good at it? Cause they, it's, it's the one thing that she can't do. And there's this one scene where Marley Matlin says, well, if we were blind, would you want to be a painter? And they, they, they don't understand her her love and her passion for it. So throughout the movie, it explores her relationship with her parents. She has a, a love interest out there, her love of music, her need to find something of her own. How old is her character in the movie? Uh, I'd say 17. Okay, so, she, yeah, okay, so, so okay. Senior, senior, senior in high school. school. Okay. The focus, her focus halfway through the movie is getting a scholarship to a, um, a music school in Boston. And her parents are staunch staunchly against it because they need her. They need her there um, to build their business. And it is that the acting in it is just amazing. My wife and I, when we were watching, I mean, both of us, you know, I kind of leaned back 
recline back my seat and I'm wiping the tears away <laughs> so she can't see me. <laughs> um, it's it's just it's raw at times and it's it's a feel good movie. It's a character driven movie. It's a story driven movie. You you absolutely see where it's going, but it was just it was it was a fun fun movie with fun characters. Okay, all right, and that's on. It's on Apple App- TV. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know last year, because of the pandemic, they allowed streaming movies to qualify for Oscars. I don't know. I think, is that the case again for this year? It is, because they actually, um, I want to say it was either Telluride or Sundance, this one came out. Okay. And I think it won a bunch of awards at both and sparked a bidding war, and Apple won the rights to to stream it. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. So let's do a couple more, okay? So the one that um, I think everyone's going to be talking about this year for the award season is The Power of the Dog. Which I watched this morning. Great, great movie. And I want to add that it was recommended to me by a few different individuals. Thankfully, none of them told me what the movie was about. I didn't even know what time period it was set in. And it's on Netflix. And I I fired it up this morning and had no idea who was (laughs) in it. No idea what the plot. And it was... Well, I'll let you talk about it a little bit more, but I will say, yes, this is a movie that everyone is going to be talking about. Yes. So I, I was almost the same way. It got it got recommended to me through Netflix. It was trending now. And I went, okay, well, I, you know, it's it, expecting it to be something completely different than it was. And as it came up, I see Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, and it's directed by Jane Campion, yeah. who won a an Oscar for directing the piano. I mean, and I just went, what, what am I? Yeah. Did this come out in theaters this well, year? I just want to say Netflix will spend $50 million <laughs> promoting red notice. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then this one, arguably one of the best movies available on their platform. It's just now through word of mouth getting out. Right. And to, to me, this movie is, it's about, it's it's unsettling because you think you know people at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. You it's two brothers who um who raised cattle in Montana, I believe it is. Yeah. And it's based on a book from the sixties and it's I'm expecting you know, conflict between the brothers. I'm expecting conflict with, you know, the Indians in the area at the time. I'm I'm just expecting a good old fashioned Western. And what you get instead is people don't behave the way you think they're going to you no. Benedict Cumberbatch comes off like just the world's biggest asshole. And you're waiting for him to just beat the shit out of somebody. And I don't think he throws a punch in no. the movie either. No, you know, Kirsten Dunst is in the movie yes. as well. And that was, it was a nice, I'll say pleasant surprise to see her back in, in, I haven't seen her in anything as of lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know she, does a lot of indie work. I mean, uh, uh, one of the most interesting films I've seen in a long time was Melancholia, you mm. know, Lars Van Trier movie, where I think she's terrific in, in that she film. Uh, and married to Jesse Plemons as well. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And and, I, and Jesse Plemons is just, you know, he came on my radar in Fargo, I think season two of Fargo and Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. You know, oh. obviously Breaking Bad is, he's just a psychopath yeah. in, in that one. What I found interesting about the film, keeping this super spoiler free, is... You do feel like it's a Western, but every once in a while, the movie reminds you that it's set in 1925. 
you know, there's a lot of images of the cars drive, you know, and it's just, I just said to myself, there's a turning point in America going on in this time period. And people are going to, I think, behave a little bit differently because what's going on in 1925, we're smack dab in the middle of prohibition. There's, you know, we're, we're a few years away from the great depression. There's just a lot going on in that time period. Benedict Cumberbatch and you and I, I said this before we started recording and I'm going to, I'm going to stand by this statement needs to get out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as fast as possible. Absolutely. Because I don't think Doctor Strange is a terribly bad character for him to play, but he's a gem. He is. He is he is an incredible actor and he I think his talents are being wasted as Doctor Strange. Oh yeah. I mean, I still when I get that show hole and I'm looking for something, I still watch Sherlock. Yeah. I mean Amazing in that the imitation game still one of my favorite performances from him. Yep. And in this one, he blows all those out of the water. I yep. mean, it's his. <sighs> you just don't know. That's the thing. In the beginning of the movie, you, you, you're so convinced that he is going to be a certain way, and he. Well, I'm not going to say well, anything more than that. But but everybody in the movie that you expect, you expect them to act like this because this is how they started the movie, and you're like, all right, I I, I know how these these narratives are going to go. And they don't do what you think. Yeah. And I think the character of Peter, uh, who plays the son, what <laughs> he's he's the most unexpected. Yeah. I kept waiting for him to break down, to lose it, and he's the strongest character in the entire movie. And I love that about him. So yeah, that's that's definitely it's definitely worth the watch. Yeah. And it's readily available, easy to watch. And I I, I will say this. Once the movie is over, go back and watch the first two minutes again. Okay. You know, I'm, you know what? I'm going to do that because yes. I, I, I watched it today and I'm already thinking there's so much that happens in the movie. My, 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 my brain is already going, what, what, the first couple minutes is okay. All right. So, yes. Awesome. All right. So, so a couple more, a couple more. I'm going to throw one out there that, uh, it's, it's not going to win any awards. Um, it is definitely, it's the fun one on my list and that's free guy. Saw it in the theater. Yeah. I did not. I saw it in the theater. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. And I, so I watched it at home and then I went and saw it in the theater. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. I had a blast with that film. I, uh, my, uh, my then girlfriend and I, she has a, a nine year old and we, I really wanted to go see Free Guy. And I just said, do you think, you know, do you think this movie be okay for, for your daughter to watch? And she was like, yeah, it should be fine. And what was funny about watching the movie is, you know, all the YouTube influencers that are on there, right. the nine-year-old, she knew who they were because <laughs> she's big into gaming, like Minecraft and all that stuff. And she would say out loud, that's so-and-so, you yeah. know, like, and, and for those that don't know, Free Guy, without getting to spoilers, is, is basically Ryan Reynolds plays an NPC, a non-playable character inside this, you know, online video game who... I don't want to say become sentient, but just realize starts to, you know, question his own existence. And, right. and it was, it was a fun movie that wasn't, how do I describe this, Jason? Like it wasn't part of some big multiverse movie. It was just a movie that, that, that has a beginning, middle, a satisfying ending. And yeah. that's it. And it, it was, was a lot of fun. It really was. It was a movie that if you said, Hey, here's a premise. Um, what do you think? Can we do this? And then just go, well, yeah, let's do that. Can we can we use this in the movie? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. So there's the, without the spoilers, it, there's there's a lot of nods to um, very well known movies. There's a lot of nods to 
um, very well-known actors yes. <laughs> that make cameos in it. And it's just, overall, you leave the movie and you're smiling. Yeah. And I love that about that movie. And, and, and it made me feel horrible for some of the things I've done in the Grand Theft Auto games. <laughs> the non-playable characters. I'm sorry. if I, I didn't mean to run you over. I apologize now. <laughs> so... Yeah, Free Guy was a lot of fun. It was. I, I, I really enjoyed that movie, and it was fun to see that in the theater. I think yeah. that was one of the first movies that I saw in the theater okay. uh, this year. Well, how about one more, and then we'll... Uh, one more. Well, the other one that I don't think is going to win any awards, but I really... I thoroughly enjoyed it for the conclusion was uh, No Time to Die. Um, okay, I did see that. Okay, also saw that in the theater. Okay. Yeah. Daniel Craig's last outing as 007 after the... Many years, many injuries, many abuses, and it was it was nice to put it almost put to me 007 to bed. I know they're they're going to reboot it, and we don't know who it's going to be yet. And I know that it's going to be 15 other iterations. But the way his story arc started to how it ended, I would argue the best. He plays the best James Bond ever. Well, I can say this. Now, I've got some thoughts on on the whole Daniel Craig, James Bond films. So this was the one that – these Daniel Craig Bond films, there was a narrative throughout these entire films. That can't be said for the Roger Moore James Bonds, for the Sean Connery, even for the Pierce Brosnan ones. There was – these movies actually – maybe not so much Quantum of Solace, but these movies actually felt like – continuations of the story and i respect that yeah that being said i only ever saw each of these james bond movies once in the theater and never never went back to revisit them and actually never had never seen specter and i did i hadn't seen the movie wow okay i wasn't over the moon about the daniel craig james bond movies i respected what they were doing and i think casino royale is still i went back and revisited that movie after watching no time to die and i was like this this masterpiece that's that's my favorite that still is my favorite daniel craig james bond movie the first one yeah Mads um, Milliken is the the villain in yeah, that just it was incredible. Amazing. So right around the time No Time to Die comes out, I have a friend of mine uh, reach out to me and he's like, "I just saw No Time to Die. It's brilliant." And I said, "Well, I haven't seen Spectre yet. Should do do I should I watch Spectre before I go see the movie?" And he said, "No, no. All you need to know is that Christoph Waltz was the bad guy in the in the last film." Yeah. I said, "Okay, fair enough." In retrospect, having watched Spectre now, it would have really served the narrative for me a little bit better yeah. um, for No Time to Die. Because there's a scene where uh, a large group of individuals is wiped out, and that had no weight to me because I didn't know who any of these people were. Right. So yeah. so looking back, in hindsight, watching Spectre probably would have been the smart move. Having said all of that, I loved No Time to Die. I just thought it was maybe 30 minutes longer than it needed to be. That I, That is a very valid point. It did drag at parts, and I, I don't – in this one, I didn't need – more action, you know, and you know James Bond. It's always the the girl, the action, the fight, the showdown, and you know him driving off into the sunset yeah. with his next lady. Um, I I wanted more story in this, and I think it delivered. But I I, I think you're right. It it could have been cut. There, there there's a director's cut out there somewhere that's yeah. that's right at two hours. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and you could pull that off. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap things up, I'm just going to throw a couple movies at you that that I that I watched over the past few weeks, and I just want to get your thoughts on them. Um, and I'll give you, I'll share my thoughts. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I finally saw. <laughs> 
this was a movie that you and I almost went to go see in the theater together, yep. uh, but I didn't get the opportunity because I had to work. <laughs> this is a this is this is exactly what we're talking about when we when we talk about you know fan service and and all of this. Uh, obviously, the fact that Jason Reitman directed the movie gives it a nice pedigree. I know Ivan yeah. Reitman served as producer. I didn't hate the movie, Jason. I didn't hate it. <laughs> But I will say this. I think there was some missed opportunities, and I'll, I'll explain the biggest missed opportunity for me, in my opinion. And we're going to keep this spoiler-free for those who haven't seen the movie, but there's a big rah-rah moment at the end of the film. Like, the, the climax has a big rah-rah moment that, you know, everybody knew was coming. Whether you knew it or not, you knew it was coming. But I think one of the biggest missed opportunity for me was I watched Role Models the other day. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, and, and there's a snarkiness and uh, uh, to to Paul Rudd in that movie, yeah, which really reminded me a lot of Bill Murray's performance in Ghostbusters. Yep. And I really wish they could have utilized that version of Paul Rudd in the movie somehow. And if I think if they could have pulled that performance out of Paul Rudd, I think the movie might have worked for me a little bit better. Oh yeah, I mean, so I think I I even texted you that I'm like the the thing I was upset about the most is the underutilization of his character. Yeah, I mean. High school science teacher. Yeah. He could have been. A, you could have easily written him as Venkman's son. I yeah. mean, and he he should have carried that through the movie. But he just. I think he was in it for what, maybe fifteen minutes yeah. tops. Yeah, um, and I, I just you know, I agree with you like that. It is what it is, and there's a lot of people that love it, and it, it's it, it it's fine. It's fine. It it the thing I was looking for most was the nostalgia. And I was looking for it to not be Ghostbusters 2. And I, th- I don't even think they mentioned Ghostbusters 2 or referenced that I, I don't think there's all. a single reference to the movie because Ghostbusters 2. Because it's just 2. the worst. So I, I'll say this. It's fine. You know, it is what it is. I was, for me, it was worth seeing. And I, it just came out for, um, for rental and purchase. And my kids are asking me, like, can we watch it? I'm like... Let's wait till it hits the seven ninety nine. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, another one, probably the movie I enjoyed the most this year was the Last Duel. Really, I I really, and it might have just been the the day that I watched it, but I just this is I need some Ridley Scott epic epicness in my life, and I just thought the movie was phenomenal. I thought the performances. Particularly Adam Driver. Adam Driver was you know. Adam Driver was good. Uh, Matt Damon was great. Yeah, it it, it literally I had written it on my list and I was like, nah. Under under what category did you write it on your list? Under most disappointing. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I of of the two films that Ridley Scott did this year, I did not like this one. It, it wasn't it really wasn't anything that you know I couldn't pin it down on one thing, but it was one of those I watched. And I went. That's a that was a good that was an okay movie. And I, my wife said the same thing like a couple weeks ago. She's like, "Oh, it's out for rent. Do you want to rent it?" I'm like, "I don't think I can watch that again." Interesting, interesting. But, but and I, I like I liked it because you, you, you know, for those who haven't seen the movie, it's told from three different perspectives, and it's it saying it has lots to say about the power the the power that men have over women, and it's a very it's a complicated movie. It's challenging to watch in some parts. Yes. It, it's not for the squeamish in some parts. And I just really thought it was terrific. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and that, that's because I've become so jilt, jilted and jaded 
about what's out in cinemas these days. Yeah. Probably got some, you know, bonus points just for being something geared towards adults that I could see right. in the theater. And yeah. I was I was the guy. And that, that was a, that was an R rating too. Hard R rating. So I yeah. think I think due to that, it kept a lot of people away from it. Yeah. I think had Ridley Scott geared it more towards the overall story and not towards the savagery that was there, I think he would have picked up a wider market. Yeah. The Matrix Resurrections. So I will be in the minority again, I'm sure. I actually really liked it. So did I. Okay. Yep. So did I. I saw it in the theaters and then came home from the theaters and watched it on my phone. It wasn't so much a reboot. It was, um, it was a reimagining. The character that Neil Patrick Harris plays, the analyst, I think was phenomenal. And I think Keanu Reeves and Carrie Moss did a great job. This is the, this is the quick review I wrote about the Matrix on Instagram right after I saw it. It says the new Matrix movie is hyper aware of the current state of contemporary cinema and the film doesn't shy away from it. In fact, the movie could be considered a response or even an indictment of the current blockbuster state of movies. Much like the first Matrix revolutionized cinema, the Matrix Resurrections recognizes the beast it helped to create. And I say this because from what I understand, right now the studios, their thing is mining IP. Yeah. What do we have? What's on our books? What, what, do, what can we rehash? And of course, Warner Brothers is saying, well, you know, we've got the Matrix. So they went to the Wachowskis. One of them opted out right away. Yeah. Then they went to Lana and said, you know, do you want to do this? And she said, no. No, I don't want to do this. I've, we've told our story. It has a it's, logical conclusion. It's got an ending. Yeah. And Warner Brothers says, well, we're going to make this with or without you. <laughs> and so she says, okay, I'll do it. And gives the big fuck you to Warner Brothers, literally by name, in the movie. <laughs> and I think it's. I think the movie is, like I said in the thing, hyper aware of what the climate that it, that it it has been released in. And for that reason alone, I thought the movie was great. And I thought, I thought fucking some of the effects in that movie were, were, and I'm not a CGI guy, were brilliant. Like it looked amazing. Well, and it, you know, it doesn't take you back to, you know, the, the same formula, which is what I really appreciated. You know, when, when the force awakens came out, I just went, I'm watching it at theaters and I'm thinking, I've seen this movie before. Oh yeah. It's a new hope. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, I was really hoping in this one it wasn't going to be, all right, well, Neo doesn't know who he is, and someone's going to come and get him, and they're going to explain who he is. There was that there, but the love story was already intertwined, and that's what I think, that's what brought it home for me. Unfortunately, that movie did not do well in theaters. No. Not not enough for it to justify, you know, a further sequel. Yeah. But there is a... There's a catchy little end credit sequence at the very, very end, so it's worth seeing. One other movie I just want to finish on that I watched and rather enjoyed and is incredibly divisive. It's down the middle. You either love it or you hate it is Don't Look Up with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer say, Lawrence. I, you know, I, I love it and I hate it. I love Adam McKay. I love the star power that was in this. I, I love that it was, you know, the veil threat to global warming. This was, yeah. this was just a straight movie about global warming. 100%. Yeah. I think Leonardo DiCaprio did an amazing job. I loved uh, Meryl Streep as President Trump. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, she's Marjorie Taylor Greene and Trump yeah, rolled into one. one. Yeah, but and the fact that her son Jonah Hill is the is the is the chief of staff. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I'm sorry. Uh, um, there, were, I mean, there were some great performances in it. It was oh, it was a little more over the top than I would have preferred, but yeah, I, I did enjoy that movie. I, I did too, and I and I I knew right away the message they were going for, and yeah. you know, there's a couple scenes in the movie that frustrated me, not be, from the movie, but because. It's so they're so spot on, you know, spoiler alert for the movie. If you've never seen it, a comet is on a you know trajectory to destroy Earth and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. They're the ones who discover it and they go on this talk show, The Daily Rip, which <laughs> rip rest in peace yeah. I put that with uh, Tyler Perry. And I can't remember her name. The actress who's who's playing uh, the co-host Kate Blanchett. Kate Bl- was that Kate Blanchett? It was. It didn't look like her, did it? Was that Kate Blanchett? <laughs> that was Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Wow. Wow. No, it did not look like I, I did not pick up on that. Yeah. Sorry, I'm losing my cred big time here. So it's Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett. They play, you know, sort of like a um, Kelly Ripa, you know, uh, type thing. And, you know, they bring Leo and Jennifer Lawrence on to talk about this comment. But first they bring on Ariana Grande to talk about her boyfriend who's been caught cheating on her. And, you know, but that's. That's kind of the world we're living in the, now. The 10 like, second soundbite. Like we're going to get, we're going to bring on these scientists that have this important message, but they're going to be the last segment of the show. But first we've got to talk yeah. about the more pressing thing. And, and that movie, that, that spoke to me in a sense of that's really kind of the society that we're living in now. I really, yeah. Well, that whole, you know, we discovered a comment. They're like, oh, good for you. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and it's going to head to earth. Oh, so is this going to be like one of those that like hits a house? And yeah. like, no, we're, we're all, we're all, gonna die oh okay well coming up next week yeah yes, exactly yeah <laughs> um and there's the running joke uh that jennifer lawrence can't get past the general charging them for the the snacks at the white house which i just thought was that <laughs> mckay just keeps coming back to that yeah. but i think i guess mark rylance yeah who plays the you know steve jobs um, uh, he was a, to me he was an amalgamation of elon musk yeah. steve job jeff bezos and the, and the guy from heaven's gate <laughs> yeah i mean he he just did such an amazing job taking that role on and just showing that you know as long as there's a private capitalist interest in something you will let the world burn so long as a few corporations can benefit off of it exactly and that, that I, I i really like the message of the movie I thought they did a great job. And it has a fantastic ending. Yes, it, it has a fantastic ending. All right. Well, Justin, Jason, thank you for taking some time to talk Absolutely. to me about the the movies you saw in 2021. Uh, I know this is the first time you've been on the show. I, I know it won't be the last. Oh, I'm looking forward to having you back on. So other than that, man, is there anything right off the cuff that you're looking forward to in 2022 besides Maverick? Uh, besides Maverick? Yeah. There's, there's so one that uh, is a sequel. Really curious to see how they deal with it is Scream 5. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I know. I think the 355 just came out. Uh, it, that's out this weekend as of recording, yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping to go see that on Thursday. And then uh, Jordan Peele, he's got a new movie coming out called Nope. Yeah. Um, really looking forward to that. Yeah, for me, I'll second what you said, the Scream movie, I, I mean, one of those people, I've seen them all in the yeah. theater. Going back to 96. Yep. You know, um, Obviously, Maverick is a big one on my list. I'm a sucker for Batman, so oh, Matt Reeves the Batman. Sick. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I love that DC. You know what I like about DC is 
they don't have a strict MCU that they're following. They're just like, we own these properties. We're just going to make these movies as we see fit. And, you know, I, I would have written Robert Pattinson off a while ago, but his role in Tenet was phenomenal. No, he's, listen, he, and he's I, doing everything he can to make you forget about the, the Twilight. The Twilight, yeah. Well, he's doing a great job, and I think um, that's another one on my uh, list of... What do you think about the fact that they're not showing Paul Dano in any of the marketing? Well, star power alone, I I don't know if people will be able to pick him out of crowd anyways. Fair enough. But Fair enough. Um, I love Paul Dano. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, as the Riddler, it's great that they're not showing him. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'll admit I'm excited for this movie. And that's, yeah. that's actually coming out in just that's March, right? March 3rd or something yeah. like that. Not too long. Well, is, that a, two is that a direct to? Um, okay, so I'm. I'm oh, does I'm, that end now? That's over. Oh, okay. I looked it up. Right. I looked it up. Um, what uh, HBO Max said about Batman, specifically the Batman, is that it will be theaters only for 45 days. Okay. And after 45 days, it will be on HBO Max. That's, that's fair. So, so, by the way, HBO Max, their subscriber count, huge. <laughs> I'm sure. They, they, they blew it out of the water. They've got up to about 76 million now, which is massive for them considering where they started. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember someone saying that when the Friends reunion came out, they added 10 million subscribers in like 30 days. For my money, it's my favorite streaming service. And the documentaries on there are great too. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, just having the, I would pay five bucks a month just for the HBO catalog, let alone the Warner Brothers catalog. Like, I love it. I love it. So, all right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Jason. And uh, for those listening, be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Dana Buckler Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Dana Buckler. Uh, You can reach out to me with questions or comments. Uh, You can email me by going to the Dana Buckler Show at gmail.com. So for everybody listening, Happy New Year. And here's to an amazing 2022. And Jason, again, thank you. Absolutely. And my name is Dana Buckler. And thank you so much for listening.